Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash KQF. This activity is supported by an educational grant from GSK. Welcome to this Pure Voice activity on cholestatic pruritus. This activity comprises a series of four streaming episodes featuring Professor Andreas Kramer. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I am Andreas Kramer. I'm a gastroenterologist and hepatologist, and I'm head of hepatology at the University Hospital Zurich in Switzerland, Europe. It's a real pleasure to discuss today with you, in particular, symptom burden in chronic liver disease, and we will focus on chronic, chronic itching, so pruritus in patients with primary biliary cholangitis. My first presentation will be on the impact of ignoring the itch and evaluating the challenges of pruritus in primary biliary cholangitis. I personally think it is very important to address this question for any clinical visit of your patients with primary biliary cholangitis, ask whether there is any symptom burden, in particular the symptom trias, pruritus, fatigue, and sicker syndrome, aside other potential symptoms such as atralgia, abdominal pain, and others. You may roughly estimate that two out of three of your PBC patients will suffer from pruritus at some point of their course of disease. And you may roughly estimate that one third, so every third patient will suffer from moderate to severe pruritus, or as shown in this UK PBC cohort, of more than 2,000 patients as persistent pruritus, which occurs frequently or at any time of the day. And these patients are at risk for a dramatic reduction in their quality of life, and they require more treatment than the existing treatment of their underlying diseases. Previously, it was thought that pruritus is the little brother of pain, and that there are certain pain neurons, once they are slightly activated, would give the signal of an itch to our brain, and once they are more intensively activated, this was, would result in pain. However, this is not the case. It could be clearly shown that there are subset of sensory neurons which are located in the skin that respond specifically to peritogens such as histamine, but also non-histaminergic stimuli. And once these neurons are activated, an action potential occurs, which is transmitted via the dorsal root ganglia to the spinal cord. And there is a complex interplay, and this signal is then further transmitted via the contralateral spinothalamic tract to the brain. And there it is sensed as pruritus, as itching, and this triggers the urge to scratch the skin. And chronic scratching may then cause secondary skin alterations, such as excorations, even perigo, or in rare cases, even scarring may occur. And 
this results in inflammation, in skin damage, which will further worsen the intensity of itch. And this is a so-called itch scratch cycle. Now, in the past, we and others could identify potential mediators which cause and activate these neurons, such as lysophospholipids, lysophosphatidic acid, which is synthesized by autotaxin, but also steroid metabolites, which may accumulate during cholestasis. Certain bile salt subspecies may activate a G-protein-coupled receptor, MRGX4, which is present on sensory neurons. But also endogenous opiates have been postulated to be increased and to modulate the itch signaling pathway. And more recently, also interleukin-31, which is rather a protogen of atopic dermatitis and other dermatologic diseases, could play also a role in our patients with chronic liver diseases. Now, it's important to summarize that pruritus in primary biliary cholangitis is common and can be very debilitating. And once it's moderate to severe in intensity, it can have a major impact on our patient's quality of life. And it's important to know that patients may not always bring up this symptom by themselves. We should ask for the symptom burden, address the intensity. And in the next part of this program, we will look how we can improve the evaluation of pruritus in chronic liver disease. Welcome back to the second part of this presentation. We will now investigate the itch in our clinical daily practice. I would like to give you a more clear picture of our patient's cholestatic pruritus and how to communicate that effectively with our patients. We need to be able to know that this symptom is real, that it exists, and that it affects a majority of our patients. So it is important to be aware that there's a significant number of patients who will report on a diurnal fluctuation with the pruritus being most intense in the late afternoon or early evening hours. It may worsen, in particular in female patient, depending on the gestational cycle, and it may worsen during intake of hormonal supplements. It can be worse in younger patients. It can be a sign, in particular, in early disease stages, that there is a more progressive form of PVC, a so-called ductopenic variant of PVC, which affects roughly 5% of our PVC patients. And the patients may describe this itching not as a pure itch. It can have a lot of algesic components, such as stinging, biting, tickling, 
or being just described as bugs crawling under the skin. And this is important to know that we do not have a typical location. Uh, there is a predilection site, namely the palms and the soles. If the skin of the palms and the sole is unaffected and patients suffer from pruritus, we should always think that the liver is likely to cause this itch, but it may not affect these predilection sites. It may be the extremities, it may be generalized, and there is not a clear-cut correlation between the localization and the underlying disease. And finally, it's important that even patients with a very good response to the baseline therapy UDCA may still suffer from pruritus, and so we should not solely look at the laboratory response, we should always ask for symptom burden once the patient is in our outpatient clinic. And why is it so important? Because patients care more about their quality of life, about their symptom burden, than the absolute value of an alkaline phosphatase. And if we talk about symptom burden, if we talk about chronic pruritus in our patients, we have to keep in mind that in particular, if it's moderate to severe, it can cause significant sleep depreciation. It can cause fatigue. This results in daytime sleepness, loss of concentration, inadequacy to follow daily life activities in the family, in any kind of job position. It may result in depression and it may even cause suicidal ideas. And on top of that, you may imagine that if a person is continuously scratching next to you, um, that this feels very uncomfortable to the affected patients. They isolate themselves. They do not take part anymore in their private life. It's even difficult for family members to accept that. And in that regard, we have to address the symptom and ideally treat the symptom efficacy, as I will outline um, during the next minutes. And importantly, laboratory assessment does not tell the patient's story of primary biliary cholangitis. Despite the good treatment response, we have to keep in mind patients may still suffer from their symptoms and we should not discard this question, do you really feel good? An open question, do you suffer from any symptom burden? Um, and you should not feel embarrassed to ask for that because we will give you advice how to address this symptom in your daily life. So just ask, and if the patient responds that the symptoms are of a considerable problem, then in the next part of the program, I will tell you which tools you can use to evaluate that and how to treat this symptom.
So thank you very much for joining the third part of this video. And I would like to introduce to you which tools you may use in your clinical routine to efficiently understand the symptom burden of your patients and to address this issue in the next days of your outpatient clinic. So in addition to a good communication with our patients um, about the impact of pruritus in liver disease, we need tools that will allow us to easily measure its severity. And I personally very much admire a verbal rating scale. In my point of view, this is the easiest way to address that. And I combine the verbal rating scale with a numeric rating scale. And I ask my patient, if a patient reports on pruritus, please rate that for me from zero, no pruritus ranging to 10, the worst imaginable itch, what the itch was in average the last week, and what was the worst itch during the last week. And this numeric rating scale ranging from zero to 10 is normally divided into mild, so zero up to three, in moderate itch ranging from four to seven, and severe itch ranging from eight to 10. And if pruritus is mild, is tolerable, you may ask the patient whether she or he wants to have, for example, any, any topical treatment. Um, but latest, if pruritus is moderate to severe, we should intensify the discussion and understand to which extent daily life activities are affected. And in that regard, I always ad advise to ask the patient whether she or he suffers from sleep disturbances, whether falling asleep is a problem or waking up at night with an itch and having problems falling asleep again, whether daily life activities are affected, whether this results in a significant fatigue. And if that is the case, um, I would advise to ask the patients, would you like to have this itch being treated? And in addition, I always look at the skin of my patients to search for secondary scratch lesions, for excoriations, maybe even perigo nodularis. And in that regard, it's important to state pruritus in liver disease occurs on normal looking skin. Now, the approach to treat this pruritus is that we advise our patients for general measures. A good skin treatment can improve pruritus and use topical ointments depending on the dryness of the skin. So the more dry the skin is, the more fat content should be used in these topical treatments, in these emollients. And on top of that, you may add 
urea, polydocanol, or even menthol, 1%, for example, as this has a cooling effect, and this is um, beneficial for the experience of pruritus. Alternatively, I always recommend the patient to place the ointment in the refrigerator. So now if these general measures and topic treatments are not sufficient, there is a significant number of uh, treatment options we will discuss in the next episode. So important to know, ask the patient for the symptom, ask for the intensity, look at the skin surface of your patients and within the next video sequence I will advise to you how to optimally treat those symptoms with available drugs and potential future treatment options. Hello everybody, welcome to this fourth and last part of this activity. We have saved the most important question for the last. What can we do to treat cholestatic pruritus in PBC using drugs? And I would like to give you some personal insights how we do that at our university hospital. Once our patients suffer, in most cases, from moderate to severe pruritus, when topical treatments and general measures are not sufficient to address this symptom burden. And current guidelines recommend anion exchange resin, such as cholesteramine, still as first-line therapy. Indeed, this very old drug is an in-label drug to treat pruritus in chronic liver disease. However, it should be kept in mind that no good clinical trial data are out there. It can bind various other substances in the gut lumen, not only the baseline therapies, UDCA or obeticolic acid, but also thyroid hormones, beta blockers, and various other drugs. That's why cholesteramine should be separated at least three to four hours from any other drug intake. Aside binding of these drugs in the gut lumen, this drug has a very unpleasant taste. It may cause GI symptoms such as bloating, constipation. Now, the very recent guidelines also recommend basafibrate, a PPAR agonist, a peroxisome proliferator activated receptor agonist, as an additional first-line therapy. And why is this the case? Because vasofibrate has been shown to improve the underlying disease. It has anti-cholestatic and anti-inflammatory properties. There has been one randomized controlled trial, the Fitch trial, indicating that pruritus, in particular in patients with moderate to severe pruritus, is improved under a three-week treatment of 400 milligram vasofibrate daily. Be aware that hepatotoxicity may occur in roughly 5%. GI problems can be a problem. Myagia is commonly caused in every fifth to tenth patient, may limit the drug intake. 
And if the kidney function is not adequately working, you should avoid this drug. But otherwise, a significant portion of patients can be treated. If that is not efficacious or not tolerated, rifampicin is recommended as second-line therapy. It is very efficacious already at 150 to 300 milligram. Be aware that hepatotoxicity may also occur in roughly 5%. Most importantly, rifampicin induces the cytochrome P450 monooxygenase system and may alter drug metabolism of oral contraceptives, of oral anticoagulants, antiepileptics, and so on. So this should be carefully checked. Basafibrate and rifampicin are the most efficacious drugs which are available in the real-life setting. If they do not work, you have less efficacious other off-label options, and naltrexone, the mu opioid receptor antagonist, is efficacy to a lower extent. Be aware that it may cause, in very rare cases, an opioid-like withdrawal symptom. Another interesting drug class are ileal bile acid transport inhibitors. These are drugs which remain in the gut lumen, inhibit the reuptake of bile acids in the terminal ileum, and thereby interrupt the enteropathic cycle. And linarixibat is currently in a phase three study investigating the symptom in PBC. There's also odivixibat and marilixibat, which have been investigated in phase two studies in PBC and PSC. So this gives us and our patients a glimmer of hope to more efficaciously treat the symptom in the near future hopefully with in-label drugs. And in that regard, I think it's important to state that we should address quality of life and symptom burden for our patients at every visit in our patient, in our outpatients clinic. For the future, I hope that with this treatment algorithm and the future treatments, which will sooner or later be available, we can improve this agonizing itch in our patients. And hopefully we will have many patients who will have a benefit of these treatment options. And with that, I would like to thank you very much for your attendance and hope to see you soon again. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.